Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Andy Murray, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport, who have exclusive television rights in the UK. My name is David Law. I'm joined by Catherine Whitaker of Eurosport on day one of the Australian Open. Is it still day one? It's not anymore, is it, Catherine Whitaker? Because it's 20 past midnight, which means it's effectively day two. <laughs> How's your day one been? It certainly doesn't feel like it's still day one. It's been really good long as you can probably tell from my voice not from yours David because you're just a bundle of energy this week uh, but certainly from mine uh, but it's it's been pretty great hasn't it it's a bit warm <laughs> a bit warm but but lovely no it's been all right but I mean in terms of the, the stuff that we've witnessed today I mean just to set the scene very quickly we're sitting out at the moment outside I mean it shows how nice the climate is when the sun has gone down a little bit because we're sitting outside under uh, black skies and uh, with floodlights all around next to the Margaret Court arena and one of the outside courts as well looking into the floodlights you see just thousands of little flies uh, flying around the place and um little and flies. yes little flies. what are they then they look like sort of dinosaur birds to me they look like pterodactyls right i'm off uh, but anyway that sets us in a little bit catherine which you but other than that it's deserted this is garden square where all the crowds um congregate to watch on the big screen and my goodness they've had a lot to to enjoy today upsets big names in trouble uh, the return of roger federer let's start with roger federer i mean there will be lots of people listening to this who are not necessarily Roger Federer fans. I but wouldn't go so far as to say lots. There will be a few, but I don't think there will be lots. Do you know many that aren't? Do you know many human beings that aren't Roger Federer fans? I know they exist and they're, in, they're no, but, entitled no, to their opinions, but I'm, there aren't lots. I suppose what I'm getting at is that and there are, say, Andy Murray fans or Rafael Nadal fans who wouldn't not, who wouldn't well, count you, themselves as Federer fans. It doesn't have to be that fans. tribal, does it? You, you just, it? Is it not, though? Well, I mean, I know it can be, but I, I don't see it that way. I mean, yes, as, you know, when you're sort of 15, I suppose you're an enormous fan of one person at the exclusion of everyone else. But I think... Being a Roger Federer fan is 
not and you know i don't think federer would want it to be at the exclusion of everyone else would he doesn't it doesn't want it to be like that it's all about peace and love isn't it you know no, probably right catherine whittaker anyway as i was about to say before uh, you went on that little rant uh basically i my sense is that no matter who your favourite player is, I think it was anybody would be happy to have seen him back tonight. Particularly, I mean, I think that there's there's very much a, a desire for, from his perspective to, to finish his career on his terms and to finish it in a certain way. And I think most people would 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 want that for him as well. Tonight, he was playing against a fellow 35 year old. I mean, it was not plain sailing. It was there were 70 years worth of tennis player out there tonight both of them playing beautifully I mean they could have been on the senior tour at that age but here they were on the Rod Laver Arena duking it out Jürgen Meltzer who incidentally won the Wimbledon boys title the year after Roger Federer won the Wimbledon boys title uh, so they've, they've shared a lot of time over the years but Federer certainly I mean he, he looked chuffed to be out there for a start I mean that was that was one of his 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 lines wasn't it we'll we'll hear from Roger Federer in a moment or two uh, from the press comments in which I managed to get a couple of questions to him and and he talks about just how happy he is to be out there but generally speaking what did you make of his his level he he was a set and three two up then the wheels came off a little bit and he lost four games in a row one set all but then one relatively straightforwardly in the end I think it his level was fine I think he was rusty I think um, I think he'll give himself a you know six and a half out of ten, which he would have taken before the match. Uh, anecdote about before the match coming up shortly in the tennis podcast. Don't uh, don't tune out anyone because this is a good one. Oh, what's that? Oh uh, uh, well. No, it's all right. No, you can tell me when you're ready. So what what else? Uh, six and a half out of ten. You thought? Yeah, th- about six and a half out of ten. I thought Jürgen Meltzer played really, really well. So let's not make it all about Roger Federer. He played really well. Gave a good of a good account of himself. And yeah, age wise, there's nothing in it. It's just the golf in talent, I suppose. You know, talent takes Roger Federer so so far, doesn't it? And yeah, yeah, he was rusty. There were errors there that were uncharacteristic but he's still Roger Federer I thought his movement was good which is probably the most critical thing particularly given what happened to him last year that it was a knee problem that was preventing him from from playing the sport so that you know when you consider and we sit in our commentary box on BBC Radio 5 Live we sit court level literally knee height to the players just behind the players at one end and you get to see the stress on their joints when they're jerking side to side and screeching to a stop and you hear the squeak of their shoes on the on the the cement and that that must have been a concern for a while in his training period before he started playing again oh without question he's never we we've talked about it a lot haven't we that he's never had to deal with any major injury and and I'm not sure he's quite gone so far as to explicitly confess this but he's certainly implied and, it, and everybody now, I think, accepts and realises that he pushed himself too far too soon. He did come back a bit early and didn't manage his recovery from surgery and from injury brilliantly. And it did cause him to have that, in the end, that long layout. But, oh, it's the most uplifting sight to see him back. The second, on a tennis court, the second most uplifting sight is wandering into the... Uh, interview garden which is a, it's a very over glorious 
a name for what is essentially a sort of five meter square patch of astroturf uh, walking wandering into the interview garden expecting to find dan evans or expecting to get there and, and wait a few minutes for, for dan evans arrival and in fact quite literally bumping into david law and realise he's standing just having a casual, intimate chat with his good mate, Roger Federer. I mean, and all of my, the, the, the crew that I work with, cameraman, camera assistant, producer, they were all stood there, and a couple of other people as well that I didn't know, gazing at David Law, thinking, who is this rock star? What, him or me? <laughs> Roger Federer is talking oh. to. Honestly, it was, uh, yeah, people just wanted to stand next to David Law afterwards just hoping the cool would rub off on them did they? good oh I didn't know that oh that's great excellent Uh, well yeah no we did have a little chat Um, I don't even know what to say I'm a bit shy now yeah you would you would determine that you wouldn't bring that up in your commentary that you did for for BBC Radio 5 Live you want me to spill the beans now because because there is no you're quite right that there's no cool way to do that and there would have been no cool way for you to bring it up on the podcast but that's why I'm doing it for you because it was one of the coolest things I've ever seen (laughs) (laughs) he's only a bloke Catherine basically I know but he came over to you he sought you out for a warm lovely chat and, I think he was uh, just a bit bored waiting for Angelique Kerber's yeah, well, message. This is the, this, the, the, the punchline to this whole wonderful story is that the chat wrapped up when Roger Federer glanced over at the score screen that's up for the benefit of, of the media in the interview, inverted commas, garden, and uh, realised that Angelique Kerber <laughs> was 40 in the deciding set and he said, oh, I'd probably go and get better go and get ready now as in for my match that i'll be playing in about 12 minutes time on the rod laver arena in front of millions no it's true i mean he's he is that relaxed i mean that is what he's like and i mean just to uh, give a a little bit of context i think i I was i was at his professional debut when he was 16 years of age Uh, you you were at the cow giving ceremony more important i was at the cow giving ceremony when juliet was handed over uh but no i mean it's it's inevitably given the the fact that uh, that obviously you know everybody wants to talk to Federer and so forth. Um, I've not had many chances to speak to him over the years, but he is the sort of person who is quite comfortable to talk to anybody. Uh, and uh, yeah, we had a little chat. It wasn't that comfortable to talk to anybody else in that <laughs> in that garden at that time. But anyway, what, what's it, I tell you what is interesting about him is how curious he, he is about other people, and he spent most of our little chat asking me about my family and stuff like that which i think is a measure of the character that he is he's not self-obsessed people perhaps don't realize that yeah i would completely agree with that there are lots of tennis players that i've met and spent a lot of time with and liked a lot you know champions tour all the rest of it um and then you'll suddenly get to the end of like I don't know an hour long conversation with them, and you'll realise they haven't asked you anything about yourself. You know, you, you you almost get to the point of thinking you're friends with them, and then you realise they haven't ever asked you anything about yourself. And it really is, and you sort of forgive them it because they don't really live on the same planet that you do, and you make allowances for these sorts of people that you don't make for other people in normal walks of life. But you're right; it is the marker of the really special ones on a human level that that they do do that should we stop 
for the benefit of those handful of people that aren't Roger Federer fans, should we stop talking about how amazing it is? Well, okay, we will. And obviously, I can't play you the contents of uh, our conversation because I don't have them recorded. Plus, uh, well, I can't. But what we can do is uh, let you in and listen to the little chat we had in the interview room before the tournament started. And uh, Roger Federer came into the interview room, first time we'd seen him in a long time, and I got an opportunity to ask him what it was like to be back. I always felt like I was going to be here, so I'm, I'm happy I'm here, though. That means uh, the job was well done. can thank my team for that. And, uh, yeah, it was a, an interesting last six months, to say the least. You will remember, I imagine, what it was like to first become world number one, which is what Andy's obviously experiencing this week. Does it feel any different? Do you, do you get looked at differently, do you feel? Do you have a different sense of perception? Um, I mean, I think it definitely feels different, yeah, because everybody comes up to you and uh, says, you're the best, you know, so you start walking around a bit differently, just uh, just feel more confident overall in, the, in your shots without having had to play. So it's a, it's, a good, it's a good thing, and usually when you win, you know, it solves everything. So from that standpoint, he's only won virtually the last uh, four months, so I'm sure things have been very smooth for him and his life, and family everything's great you know what is there to talk negative about so the negativity goes out of the door a little bit and that's a good thing in tennis when you can think positive and feel positive that rubs off into into match play then I guess you come to a point and you just can't let it affect you and just you have to remind yourself how hard you had to work to actually get there and it's going to require that plus more to stay there Um, but I feel like because Andy's not, you know, 18 years old. He knows all about that. Um, I don't think the ranking in this regard changes him in a big way. Um, I think it's too late back for him to also change because of it in terms of a- attitude towards us. And, um, yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm super happy for him. He deserves it. He's been, he's been in there for a long time. He's had some tough losses, some great wins over the years, but he never kind of strung it together that it would pay off. So this time it did, and it's great for him, great for the sport. And just from your perception as somebody who's played the role of number one in the world, upcoming player, you've dominated for many years, in many ways this year you're kind of an underdog. You talked about the unknown. You're kind of an underdog. Are you you looking forward to being that? Yeah, why not for a change? I mean, I prefer to be the favourite, but uh, (laughs) underdog is okay. Um, Yeah, no, it's fine. You know, as long as I'm healthy and I feel like I can go four or five sets, I can, you know, go many matches in a row, then I, I think it's going to be fun. If I feel like I'm in pain in the matches, then obviously it's no fun. Because then, it, then it almost doesn't matter what your seeding is and your ranking is. It's always the same. But, uh, no, it's a great draw because I'm in the draw. So for me, it's, I'm, I'm super pleased that I made it here and that I have an opportunity to, to win matches. Uh, how many will rest to be seen? I'm cautious myself. Uh, so, yeah, clearly an underdog this time around. So there's Roger Federer, Catherine, who uh, I got a chance to put some questions to in the press conference. And uh, fascinating to hear him talk about Andy Murray and what it is like to be number one at your first Grand Slam tournament after becoming world number one. And, and it's quite interesting that, in turn, Murray was quite happy to downplay the, the, the impact and basically said he doesn't feel any different. Federer certainly was <laughs> typically... Uh, giving every, every bit of information he could about when he had that feeling. And, uh, and also, I like the idea of Roger Federer, the underdog, which he was talking about as well in that little clip. 
Well, he quite liked the idea of Roger Federer the underdog as well. He he preferred the idea of Roger Federer the favourite for the title. But, I mean, he's just so happy to be here. He's happy with any title, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, I love the line, it's a great draw because I'm in the draw. And he didn't mean that from a boastful point of view. He meant it's great for me because I just want to be in tennis draws. And he actually said that actually on the court after his match tonight, that uh, even if he'd have lost, he'd have just been, he, he feels like he's won because he's managed to come back when, I mean, at 35 after that injury, he might have been done that could have been his career over. Thank goodness it's not over and he will go on to the second round. He's got Noah Rubin next. He could have third round Thomas Burdick. We talked about that in our preview. Uh, Burdick went through today after his opponent retired Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. This edition of the Tennis Podcast is sponsored by Tennis Channel, and Tennis Channel Plus is the place to watch the French Open. They've got every court live, and you can watch on your phone or on your smart TV in HD. Sounds great. There's genuinely nothing I like more than watching multiple courts with matches everywhere. And can I just sit and watch court shows in Longland all day? You sure can, David. Wherever the stories are, the rivalries emerge and the generations clash, you can watch it all with daily live coverage beginning on Monday, May the 20th. Be there when it happens by subscribing to Tennis Channel Plus to stream daily coverage of Roland Garros. Use promo code TENNISPOD20 for 20% off your annual subscription. Other notable things on the men's side. You mentioned Dan Evans got a, a good win for him. So he's through to the second round, plays Marin Cilic, who came back from two sets to love down to beat Yertsi Janovic. Andy Murray was not at his best today and looked to me, as as he often looks actually in the first round of, of major tournaments, if he, if he has a bit of a struggle, he can look pretty stressed out and, and pretty uncomfortable out there. Still got it done in straight sets, but he'll just be relieved, I think, to get through. Relieved to get through in straight sets in those conditions as well. It was, I mean, it's not as hot as it can be here, but I mean, it's all, it's all relative, you know. It's, uh, it was blooming hot out there, particularly on the Rod Laver Arena, which is pretty air- airless. Um, so yeah, he'll be relieved. I, I don't think he'll dwell on it too much. I don't think there's an enormous amount to take from it. Um, I was just chatting with uh, Mark Petri on air at the end of the show, just now reflecting a little bit on uh, Andy Murray. And he said, and in fact, it was something Andy himself commented on um, in quite great detail, actually, both when I spoke to him in the Flash interview immediately after the match and following the press conference, that he was quite surprised by how different the conditions are, particularly how different the balls are. They are using a different ball this year to previous years. He felt like they were really flying. Um, Mark pointed out that he has always preferred the sort of the harder ball. It's it's one of the things that isn't nearly talked about enough in tennis. That you know you think a tennis ball is a tennis ball, and you'd certainly think that at this elite level that it would be so standardised that 
you know, it'd be standardised beyond any comprehension. It's not, you know. Tennis players can... Professional tennis players can tell blindfolded the difference between the balls at the different Grand Slams. I've seen, I've seen them do it. Dominika Sibylkova can do it by sniffing them. Well, yeah, I, I mean, I saw Michael Lodger do it once just by feeling the weight, the uh, blindfolded, feeling the weight uh, of a tennis ball. So, I mean, there re- it really is a significant thing, and, and certainly Andy thought it was a significant thing in his match today. Dan Evans talked about it as well, that the balls are really flying. Mark Petchy doesn't think that will suit Andy particularly well. He doesn't think it's an enormous factor, but, you know, it's fine margins, isn't it, um, at this level of the game. So it's interesting. It's interesting... You know, it'll be an adjustment process, and it was an adjustment process throughout the course of the match. He was timing it better and better as it went on, I thought. But yeah, it's going to be an interesting feature of the tournament, I think. Yeah, it is. So Andy Murray through, Roger Federer through, Stan Wawrinka had another Stan Wawrinka type match that he, he he seems to have in these Grand Slam tournaments. The mind went back to the one he had with Evans a little bit later in the US Open uh, a few months ago that he had match point down and he ended up winning the title, of course, Wawrinka. But he proved again, or he gave weight probably, to, to why nobody does pick him at these tournaments. I had my rant about it a couple of days ago. And then in didn't the... pick him. No, I didn't pick him in the end. But I, I thought about it. I thought about it. But that's it, isn't it? We all think about it. It's not that we don't think of him. We just don't say he's the favourite. I've actually picked... Uh, I think I've picked Kyrgios to, to actually knock him out in about the fourth round. So, uh, yeah, I mean... Uh, but today, I mean, he was right up against it, against Martin Kleesan. He was, uh, I think, 4-3, break of serve, and 40-15 down in the fifth set. And he managed to break that serve, even though he was 40-15 down, to turn it around. The, I don't know whether you saw it. There was one... Um, really eye-watering moment where uh, Martin Kleesan went to the net and, and basically popped up a, a ball that was an easy put-away and Vavrinka hit the ball full pelt on the forehand side straight into the body of Kleesan who was standing there defenceless. I, I said at the time in commentary, I, I, I said that is out of order. That is how it felt to me at the time that the guy was just standing there with his arms by his side pretty much and got nailed by the ball. Now, Vavrinka immediately stepped over the net and, and, and was just mortified, it, it seemed to me, it, that, he'd, that he'd hit the guy with the ball. And my, my, after initially seeing it, I thought, I, I guess he was just trying to hit it down the centre and, and, and so forth, and yes, at the body, but not to actually hurt him because, I mean, the way he did it, it, was, it made you shudder. Um, thankfully, on very close at replays, it seemed that Cleesan did manage to get his racket just in front of him and, and deflect the ball. But goodness me, it could have been seriously dangerous. Um, anyway, it, it it didn't hurt him. It appears in the end, and uh, and all's well. But uh, I, 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 my conclusion is, I'd give Vavrinka the benefit of the doubt. I don't think he's. The, I, don't, I mean, if that had been Lendl, I think Lendl would have hit it and walked back to the to the baseline and just left him there on the floor personally but that's not Vavrinka. that's the sort of aggro that you so long for it was, it was kind of fun I mean you know obviously I hammed it up on the commentary uh, a little bit but anyway so Vavrinka is through Nishikori is another one who had five sets to get through he looked a bit weary I mean it was it was pretty brutally hot out there so no none of the players really just serenely went through the first round today on the men's side and and it was pretty much the same in the women's side as well because Halep lost and Kerber looked a little uncertain out there too 
Nick Kyrgios went through pretty serenely. Just oh, yeah, by he was good. Yeah, oh, I, I, my I, goodness, he was good. You, that wasn't me giving you licence to just wax lyrical about He's one of the players, uh, a little insight into the, the Roger Federer chat. Kyrgios is one of the, one of the people we were talking about. Um, and, and I get the sense that Roger Federer quite likes Nick Kyrgios. I think, he, you know, there's... The, I know he's a classical purist and all the rest of it, but he's always quite liked a little bit of uh, spice as well as Federer. And, and I, I mean, I think it's borderline. You know, I think he pro- he would probably think that Kyrgios sometimes oversteps it, but I think he kind of likes him. That's not that's not a subjective opinion, is it? That sometimes Nick Kyrgios oversteps the mark. Is it that is objective fact? David. Anyway, yes, it is. I didn't. I didn't mean to open up a big, big Nick Kyrgios discussion, but he was fantastic today. Uh, women's side, Halep out again in the first round. What's she playing at? Well, she was injured. I think. I oh, mean, really? she said she actually said that she'd got an injury and she couldn't move properly. But at the same time, I, I, I certainly heard one or two of the respected um, commentators saying that actually, yes. I'm sure she is injured, but sometimes, this does happen quite a lot with Halep, sometimes she has to just suck it up and get through these matches when she's not feeling great. Muguruza had her leg strapped up, she went three love down, still won the match. I don't know how serious uh, Simona Halep's injury was, I guess, again, benefit of the doubt, because uh, we don't know, but yeah, terrible shame anyway that she was not able to play her best. I mean, good performance in the end from her opponent, Shelby Rogers. Yeah, Shelby Rogers, who's you know been to the quarterfinal of a slam before, she did it uh, in Paris last year, I think. So, you know, she's not too shabby an opponent at all. But, and I suppose any kind of movement hampering injury for Halep is is pretty um, decimating, really, to her form, isn't it? Because she, in fact, I saw a. Um, uh, there's all sorts of uh, new stats and uh, and uh, graphics and stuff available this year. They do not let the grass grow here at this tournament, and they're available to to the media and and all the analytics say that Halep is the fastest uh, female player. Dominic Team, incidentally, the fastest. No, Djokovic, the fastest male player. Dominic Team was something, but not the fastest. Is he the hardest worker? <laughs> No, Andy Murray was the hardest worker. Team plays every five minutes. Uh, let's not get on to that. Anyway, uh, yeah, so Simona had the fastest, and that's obviously her biggest weapon. So any kind of you know wound to that area of her game is pretty critical. But, um, yeah, you could well be right. I mean, she does have she does have a bit of form, I suppose, but it's still a shame. Uh, Mugarutha, your prediction was looking a bit ropey for a while. I was getting a bit worried. When she had the, the trainer on and she went three love down in the second set, I'm thinking, oh, great. I mean, I, you know, in, in the competition we've had on Kickstarter with, uh, with our predictions tournaments, I've actually picked Mugarutha to end the year world number one as well. So, uh, you know, I've, I have nailed my colours to the mast a little bit. Yeah, I mean, yeah, they're nailed. They're nailed on there. Um, <laughs> She's still in there. I tell you, she could still, she could still win it. Else, she will still win who, it. Who else have we got? We've Kerber. I mean, uh, it, was, it was ropey, wasn't it? At times, though. it was really ropey. That was, I mean, yeah, it's it's exactly what I expected. Really, that body language was awful. She was so down on herself and hard on herself, and just didn't look like a world number one. She looked to me just exhausted that sort of slightly hollow look behind the eyes I just you know wanted someone to give her a hug and I say that a lot don't I um yeah I'm glad she got through uh but it's one of those though I think I was talking to a a couple of colleagues of mine who 
we kind of feel that if you win a couple, get into the tournament, and that's what she was talking about before the tournament, is you've got to win a couple to start feeling part of it. I think the whole circus of being world number one and defending champion, I think coming in here has been the first time she's thought, actually, you know, I could do without this. Not, she does, not that she doesn't want to be world number one. She just wishes everybody just let her get on with it now, really, and play the match. Yeah. But you can't. No, you can't, and 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 then of course when you lose, you you don't get to play any more matches. That's you done, isn't it? You have to go. So so losing early as she has done uh, in her preparation tournaments, that means she hasn't been able to get any momentum going and hasn't had the tennis to distract her from the distractions other than tennis. So yeah, I think you could be right. I do think I do think you're right if she can just scrape through these and I think the next one could be a scrape as well. Witoft she's got next and then it could be Christina Pliskova the big left-handed uh, sister of Carolina. Incidentally though there won't be any Daria Kasatkina so there's one of my predictions that's gone horribly wrong because I thought she was getting to the quarterfinals she's lost uh, today Eugenie Bouchard was a big winner so uh, lots and lots of, uh, of results have already been in today now tomorrow Catherine Whittaker BBC Radio 5 Live, Eurosport with their exclusive rights on TV are going to be bringing from 11 o'clock local time, so it'll be midnight in the UK, 7pm in uh, the United States on the East Coast this will be. Uh, Carolina Pliskova starts on the Rod Laver Arena and then it is Belinda Bencic against uh, Serena Williams. Belinda Bencic is a, is a a very bright character. I, I, she came into the, the press conference the other day, very bubbly, really in, really excited. She, she seemed absolutely thrilled that she'd drawn Serena Williams, which I suppose the fact she beat her a couple of years back, I mean, that must give you some confidence. I think so, yeah. I mean, I interviewed her after that, um, sort of a preview for the match that we'll be showing on Eurosport tomorrow. It's going to be a bit of a juggle luckily there's Eurosport 1 and Eurosport 2 because I think with all the Brits playing on Margaret over Court, on Margaret really, Court yeah, <laughs> yeah the, both channels are going to be uh, well employed tomorrow um, yeah I spoke to her after that uh, press conference yesterday and, and she yeah you're right she seemed completely genuinely delighted to have drawn Serena Williams she's just in a win-win situation as she sees it I mean I guess she feels she already had nothing to lose with uh with coming off here off the back of an absolutely torrid year or so and and a tricky start to the season with the toenail injury uh and uh yeah now she's got an opportunity to have a stab at taking out Serena Williams I mean there couldn't be less pressure on her shoulders could there and she knows I mean yes it seems like a different time in her very short career that she beat Serena in Toronto a year year and a half ago now but she knows she can do it you know she's the same human being she's the same flesh and bones that beat Serena not so long ago so why not We've then got uh, Rafael Nadal. I say why not. I do think Serena's going to win. Me too. Uh, we've then got Rafael Nadal up against Florian Meyer of Germany. Nadal uh, looked as though he's really up for this uh, when he was in the press conference room a couple of days ago. He was uh, being all polite about his chances in the early part of the press conference. Then at the end he said, look, if I didn't think I could do what I've been doing for the last 10 years, I'll be playing golf or fishing. He was pretty categoric that he thinks he's got a, a chance to compete for this title here. Well, Federer on court uh, after his match today said he finds fishing too slow, can't, can't be doing with fishing. 
interesting i find it a bit slow I mean, it's, what are you? It's, it's about as slow as it gets isn't it <laughs> you can keep that one rafa uh fernando vadasco against novak djokovic is the first match in the evening session cool oh, that's going to be good isn't it you think it's going to be a dismantling though no, that oh, no, Djokovic is going to dismantle. Could, I could be. No, I think Djokovic will win. I think there will be one tight set. I think, you know, maybe 7 6 or 7 5, 6 4, 6 3, something like that. I, I think it's not going to be a Doha or unlikely to be a Where Doha. Vadaska had five match points before Djokovic eventually prevailed. Then it's Fatana Poronkova against Agnieszka Radvanska. As Catherine said, it is a Brit fest on Margaret Court Arena, starting with Johanna Konta at uh, 11 o'clock local time against Kirsten Flipkins. That's midnight UK on Eurosport and on uh, BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra. We've got Milos Raonic against Dustin Brown, Heather Watson against Sam Stosa. That's a good one. Then an evening session on the Margaret Court Arena Dimitrov's in action and then Naomi Brody so they're all playing Kyle Edmund is uh, on one of the outside courts as well so lots and lots to follow tomorrow I do love the first couple of days of the season Kyle Edmund up against Santiago Geraldo second on on court number five that Catherine Whitaker is about that it's well after midnight we're sitting here there's nobody left there's only us two here where's everybody gone they, they haven't got podcasts to record, obviously. Well, they're, they're, they're the unlucky ones, because we get to talk to all of you. Hope you have enjoyed the show. Uh, if you would like to get the Eurosport player, there's a special offer at the moment, £19.99 for the whole year. You could get the Australian Open, you could get the French Open, you can get the US Open coverage on the Eurosport player. That's not, not a bad deal. Uh, you get to see Catherine Whitaker doing her stuff at the Australian Open. That's everyone sold, isn't it? There you are, Catherine. Hear all your interviews and see all your link-ups with the studio. But that's uh, all to come over the next uh, couple of weeks. You've got plenty to follow on Eurosport and on BBC Radio 5 Live Sports Extra. We'll be back tomorrow at midnight as well in the UK. And uh, as a tram goes past outside, I think we need to go and run after that, Catherine, and go and catch it so we can go home and get to bed at a reasonable hour. Thank you for listening. This has been the Tennis Podcast, brought to you in association with The Telegraph and Eurosport. Sport. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm-hmm.